Shall I beg? Okay, no. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to close our two-part series today on the violence of faith. The violence of faith. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18, if you want to follow along. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, be sober, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The soldier's warfare is prayer, and his sword is the word of God when he prays. You only have one offensive weapon. God's Word, and it's compared to a two-edged Roman sword. So you better use it or lose it. The enemy knows believers will generally quit if he just hangs on long enough. So we as believers have to know that every prayer is like a missile or a, a launch of an artillery shell lobbed at the enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy, like the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So my enemy, my adversary, is out to undo me, to discourage me through harassment, buffetings, to deceive me, to make me believe false things, to make you disbelieve the truth by making you believe a lie. See, if we're... If we're going to do the will of God, there will be a fight. James 4, verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I keep reading violent scriptures about a fight. This is not nice. Satan is called Apollyon destroyer, deceiver, the devil, Satan, the dragon, thief, murderer, liar. You know, we also know his kingdom is organized into levels of authority. He has principal spirits that rule over lesser spirits. Satan is not omnipresent. He is created. If he is over at your house, I'd be blessed because he couldn't be at mine. He, he can only be in one place at one time. So to do his evil work around the world, he has to have an organization of ruling spirits and lesser working spirits, demonic spirits. So we wrestle not against humans, flesh and blood. Our enemy is spiritual forces in heavenly places. 
Every city has a network of demonic power over it to stop the will of God from being accomplished. And they will use every means at their disposal. And their greatest strength is deception. In Daniel chapter 10, around verse 10, Daniel said, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Daniel started to pray, and on the first day of prayer, God sent an angel with the answer. Twenty days later, Daniel still didn't have an answer. So God sent his archangel, the angel of war, Michael, to release the lesser angel from the mighty prince of Persia. So that angel was outranked by the prince of Persia, so God sent an archangel to break through to get the answer to Daniel. So Daniel was told that from the first day you prayed, that prayer was heard, but there was a war in the heavenly realm that hindered the answer from getting through. Now here's where we fail. When God doesn't answer me when I snap my fingers, we quit. We quit too easy. The enemy knows if he just delays you, hangs on for a while, you'll give up. Well, guess God isn't going to do it. So we haven't had constant pressure against the powers of darkness. I heard a pastor testify recently of praying for his wife's asthma. He told me everyone famous had prayed for her, but still she wasn't well. He finally resolved to start leaning on that asthma. And he said, every morning, noon, and night, I resist you, asthma, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. He said, I did it all day, at noon, at night. Every time it came to my mind, I kept leaning on it and leaning on it until finally it got weary and yielded. It took a while. wasn't quick. Revelation 2, verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamos, write... These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, I know your seat, Satan. So Satan has a seat, a place of authority in every city, in every country, a headquarters from which hatred and evil and witchcraft spew out. So Scripture says Satan has been defeated. I have to know that. We need to know it. We have to start from a right thinking. See, Luke 11, verse 21, 22. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when somebody stronger than him attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. So you can't come into a strong man's house and spoil his goods unless you bind the strong man, unless you overcome him. Take his sword away. So Jesus said at once, I couldn't cast out demons unless I first rendered the strong man powerless. Then I will destroy his goods. Now listen to Colossians 2, verse 15. Paul says, having disarmed powers and authorities, the demonic spirits, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. So Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He left the enemy spoiled, armorless. He stripped him. At Calvary, Jesus did that to Satan and all his hosts. So every believer needs to quit magnifying the devil and understand he's a formidable enemy, but he is a defeated enemy. And you need to know that. So 
Our shield is faith that what God says is true, that what God did to him is true. And if you begin to believe what God said about the powers of darkness, you have a shield. If he tries to fake me out, condemn me, the word of God, that sword comes back. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. This is not the voice of God. I reject you. I've got a shield. I know you are defeated. You are not going to intimidate me. You can harass me. You can hurt me. You can delay me. You can't kill me. You can't stop me without God's permission because you are defeated. I know that. I know it, right? You need to know it. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since the children of man have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So scripture says that Jesus through death destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now the word destroyed means rendered him powerless. He's not dead. He I'll explain in a minute. Jesus rendered Satan powerless as far as people of faith were concerned. Uh, ever watch a cat with her litter of kittens? And often she'll bring home a mouse for her little kids. It's mutilated, squashed, chewed up, but not yet dead. It still wiggles. So mama cat will drop that 75% dead mouse right in the middle of her litter of kittens. And they'll, their hair will jump up, they'll jump up, they'll hiss. They'll, they, they're scared. They're scared to death. And then they think this mouse is a monster. Mama cat will walk away and leave the kittens with that mouse. I've watched them do it many times. Finally, a brave kitten will sneak up and take a swipe with her paw and roll the mouse over. Then he'll dart away real quick. Doesn't want to get caught. And finally, the kitten will put his paw his little foot on the back of that mouse now I hope you can apply this the enemy has been badly mauled and chewed God tells us to put our foot on him but Rick doesn't the devil roar well yeah to frighten you to deceive you like a lion it's a lie he's not a lion and he wants to lie to you. So the Bible says he takes some people captive. Those who know not God are taken captive by him to do his will. And sadly, Christians get taken captive too because they don't know what their rights are. They don't know he's a defeated enemy. So they don't know how to resist his schemes. So the enemy is still active. He won't be dead in our sense until he's cast into the lake of fire. But he's been defeated. But Jesus had rendered him powerless for the person of faith. Psalms 91, one of my favorite Psalms, verse 1 through 3. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then verse 13. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. He's not talking about Africa, real lion. He's talking about demonic forces, the enemy. Who gets to do that, to tread on them? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who is permeated with the presence of God. He will tread on the lion and on the snake. Now, faith is born by a consciousness of God's presence. I know scripture says faith comes by hearing God's word, 
But it's not just reading pages on your Bible. It's faith that comes alive from God's Word. We call it a rhema word or living word. It's quickened, made alive by the Holy Spirit to you. I mean, you get it. When, when Peter saw Jesus on the water and he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. Now let's change the picture. Let's say Peter only heard a voice out of a cloud in a storm. Peter, walk on the water, come. Do you think Peter would have gotten out of that boat just on a voice? I think the only thing that took Peter out of that boat was he saw Jesus there. He heard Jesus speak the word, but he was conscious of his presence. So he took the plunge. Jesus was there. He was safe. And I believe we've got to develop that closeness of the presence of Jesus as well. How about blind Bartimaeus? His faith was inspired by the presence of Jesus. He had heard about Jesus, but he hadn't been healed. He, he, he wouldn't have known to call on Jesus if he hadn't heard all about him. See, he had heard there was a healer in Jerusalem, but he was waiting for the day when the presence of Jesus would come. He heard a commotion. He said, what's going on? And the people said, Jesus is coming by. Wow. Blind Bartimaeus threw his beggar's coat down, threw his hands in the air, and started screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, how did he have that kind of courage and that kind of faith? He knew Jesus was there. The Bible says we need to be strong in the Lord. God wants to change you in your circumstances even more than the circumstances. See, we're in a war. As one general said, war is hell. One night of war, and we're screaming. See, God didn't promise to make war nice. As long as we hold back our reputation, our career, our savings account, God doesn't come through. You still got your backup. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No testing has overtaken you except what is common to man. Now, did you hear that? It's common. But God is faithful who will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested, he will provide a way of escape so you can endure it. So Satan comes to you and says, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. And about the time you wipe your tears away, I'm going to say it again. You're no good, you're no good. That's Linda Ronstadt, in case you didn't know. I know it sounds quite similar, but anyway, you're no good. You're a failure. You'll never be anything. God doesn't love you. You're the worst kind of a person. So Satan only has one message, and he plays it for everybody. But God calls him a liar. So you read on. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested above that which you are able, but will with that testing make a way of escape. Now that's as far as most people read. But God's escape is he will make you able to bear it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, and having done all to stand, stand. And when it's all over, you're still standing. Romans 8, verse 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. Now, not just a conqueror. A conqueror is a guy who wins the battle. But you're called more than a conqueror. That means you've won before the battle's over, kind of like the Warriors in the playoff. I know, I feel discouraged too, but 
Sometimes you know it's over before it's over. You know, if LeBron can't win with 51 points, he can't carry the whole team. That's sad. And then you got like four A-level players on the other side. I mean, it's a stacked deck. It's what we would call a monopoly. Are y'all okay? Anybody out there watch sports? Okay. I mean, this is the, what, the fourth showdown? Yeah, I think LeBron is probably one of the greatest ever in the whole world, but he can't, uh, he can't be five men. No, uh, Jordan couldn't stand up to LeBron. No, 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 no. No way. No, LeBron's broken his record. He's broken everybody's record. No way. That, that one man will run over you like a steamroller. That is the biggest built man I ever saw in my life. He's agile. He's big. He, he's just an anomaly. He's a great. These were all great players, of course. But I'm just saying, in, in his day, there, there's nothing bigger or stronger. So, but you can't put him up against, I'm out of this thing. Forget it. See? <laughs> so we went through it all. So we got to be made into stronger believers than we are now if we're going to face the hardships that are coming on this earth before the Lord returns. we got to be tough people, not mean people, tough people. Are we going to whine or are we going to stand? Paul and Silas were beaten illegally, put into prison stocks, and at midnight they sang. Look at Ephesians 6, and I just read four times we're told to stand in a warfare. It means don't run away, don't quit your marriage, don't quit church, don't give up. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may take your stand. Then in verse 13, therefore put on the whole armor of God that when the day of evil comes, the doctor says it's stage four, whatever, your employer may be letting you go, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand. Do with a belt of truth, buckle around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now my text, Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people take it by force. Now can you see the violence of faith? So God says, stand, arise, go, wrestle, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's not passive, that's aggressive. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Joshua 1, verse 2 through 9. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, you and all this people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, but be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Again, again he says, be strong. And very courageous. Be careful to obey all the word my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from the left hand or to the right hand. So you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law, my word, always on your lips. Quote it. Proclaim it. Pray it. Say it. Declare it. Meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, there's a lot of be strong and courageous in there, right? I'll never leave you or forsake you, but be strong, very courageous. We're going to be in a fight. There are going to be some big people down there. You're going to look like grasshoppers. Be strong. Don't you say what you think. Don't you say what you feel. Don't you say what the culture says or your political group. You say what my word says. I don't care what the doctor says. You say what I say. You've got to fight. Don't roll over and die. Don't go into a fetal position. The enemy will rape you, plunder you, strip you blind. And he doesn't care about you at all. Okay? God says every place you put your foot will be yours. But look, God, there's water here. How are we going to get across? You got to do something about the water. Move the water so we can put our feet down. Well, look at Joshua 3, verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set their foot on the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. But that river will not part until you put your big size 11D on it. You've got to put your foot on it. So the walk of faith is you've got to put your foot down before anything happens. And the psalmist writes, God will not permit my foot to be moved. So stand your ground. Hold your ground. Maybe you're fighting for a child or a marriage or your job or your finances or your health. Hold your ground. Take your ground. And don't give up your ground. The devil will let go. And every place you put your foot will be yours. Resist the devil and he will ultimately flee from you. In 1 Samuel 17, David faces Goliath. You know, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Look at the violence. David took five stones, ran towards the enemy. He didn't leave church and run away. He ran towards that sucker. He was on the attack. And look at the people with David. God kind of spells this out for you. This is in 2 Samuel, uh, first, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are David's mighty men. Aldino, the Esnite, lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. That is one bad dude. One guy, 800 of the enemy, he killed with his sword. I don't know about you, but that gets my attention. One guy, he's on David's team. It's like stacking the deck with the warriors here. I mean, holy Moses. Then you got Eliezer. Eliezer defied the Philistines, gathered together to battle Israel after Israel had fled. They ran away. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and clave unto the sword. He couldn't let go of the sword. His muscles froze on it. Remember that. Our warfare is accomplished with the sword. The sword of the Spirit, he says, is the word of God. Then there's Shammah. The Philistines gathered an army together where there was a place of ground full of beans, lentils. And the people fled away. But he stood in the bean field and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord brought a great victory. He stood his ground. He was violent. He fought. And then there's Elisha and Joash in 2 Kings 13. 
Elisha and Joash told the king to smash arrows to the ground, the arrows of the Lord's deliverance. And the king just struck them three times. And Elisha, the prophet, got mad and said, you wuss, why didn't you do it eight or nine or ten times until the enemy was consumed? You just got partial victory. You're too passive. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Lord, please send the devil away. Revelation 12. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Luke chapter 4. Jesus overcame Satan with the word. He didn't need the blood. He was sinless. But he quoted the word over and over. It is written. It is written. It is written. See, get behind me, Satan. It is written. Every temptation. He quoted the word against the threat of the enemy. Do you see the violence of faith and aggressive warfare of prayer? See, wrestling the powers of darkness with the word of God in our mouth, declaring what God said, taking your ground. I think we settle for too little. We give up too quick when we could win. But sometimes it takes a while. The Bible says you have need of endurance, perseverance, that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. Well, Rick, I prayed, and Rick, we, we give, and, and I've believed God, and, and I'm not well yet, or this hasn't changed the condition yet. Well, stay with it. Stay with it till you die or you get well. In, you have need of endurance. Why do I need endurance? Because I'm going a long haul. I don't need endurance to do a... 100-foot dash. Most all of us could do that. But to go 26 miles, I need endurance, right? Which means it's a marathon. We are in a marathon. We're not in a 100-meter dash. So buckle up for a bit of a long haul. I hope you get a quick fix. Once in a while, you get a quick fix. But it'll ruin you because you'll get to thinking it ought to always be a quick fix, and it's not. So God spoke into the darkness, let there be light. He declared it with his mouth. And what happened? There was light. Words of faith and life were spoken. God said, let the earth bring forth. It brought forth. Jesus used the same method. He said to the blind, receive thy sight. And he said to the deaf, be opened, you deaf ear. Use the word of God. Direct traffic. Isaiah 6 verse 1, proclaim liberty to those who are captive. Say it, pray it, proclaim it, decree it, speak it. Whether it's your teenage kid or whatever, keep proclaiming liberty to that captive and rebuke that spirit of addiction or deception that's in them. God shows us how. So the sword, which is the word of God, spoken in faith, will cut, divide, and free. But many pray so weak, no violence. Where is the daring, reckless faith? How did Peter get out of the boat in a storm? The Lord said, come. Well, he didn't dip his toe in the water. He jumped out and walked on the water. Jesus said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Are you free? Freedom needs to be spoken, to be declared, to be believed, and it needs to be walked in. Scripture has given to us, the Bible says, the ability and authority to bind and loose. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. So through our God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who shall tread down our enemies. 
Romans 16, verse 20 says, God is going to bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So let's believe we're an army. Let's believe we can take possession for God. Let's believe the word of God can become real to us and that we can have what God promised to us and we can do what he says we can do. You've got to believe that. But you can't just sit on your bottom and everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. People die coming to church. People divorce coming to church. People go bankrupt coming to church. Coming to church is not going to fix anything alone. It's where you could be equipped or encouraged, but at the end of the day, you have to fight. You have to fight. So fight for your wives. Fight for your husband. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Fight for your career. Fight for your destiny. It's not going to be easy, and I'm sorry, but that's life. That's the Christian faith. That's why he gave us weapons. That's why he went to the cross, rose from the dead, defeated the enemy. Now join him in this fight. It's a fixed fight, but you still got to get in there and fight. So, as we close this session, some of you were not here last week. I'd like to do some scriptural confessions right now to engage in a bit of warfare. So, if you are here this morning and you've got sickness in your body or you need healing in your body in some way, stand up and we're going to make a proclamation together. Stand to your feet boldly. Or just keep it, okay? Keep paying the doctor and just keep it. Sit down. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I've done it before, and I'll probably have to do it somewhere in the future. So I want you to pray. I don't want you to mumble, but pray boldly with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I make this confession in faith, believing you are my Lord and Savior. You are my great physician. You are my healer. By your stripes, I am now being made well. By your precious blood, I have victory over every sickness and disease. You have set before me life and death. I choose life. You have set before me blessing and curse. I choose the blessing. I will not fear. You are my healer and deliverer. You are with me. Your word is my strength. You are my high tower. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am begotten of God, and the wicked one touches me not. I will praise you. I will declare your greatness. I will bless your name forever. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I praise you, Lord, that the victory is mine in the name of Jesus. Now just say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. You can be seated. Those of you that are in an area under attack and you need protection or guidance, I don't know what it may be. It could be a legal problem, but it could be some other type of an attack, or you need guidance. I want you to stand right now, and we're going to make a confession together as well. Just stand to your feet. Good on you. Let's boldly say it together. Say, Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation 
in faith believing. You are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? You are the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, all of my enemies and foes stumbled and fell. Though an army gathers against me, my heart shall not fear. In this will I be confident that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, you will hide me in your pavilion. You will set me on a high rock. You will lift my head above my enemies. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing praises unto the Lord, for the victory is mine today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. Those of you that need help in your finances, in an area of prosperity, I talked to some people this morning in need of a job, having to sell a house and move, I want you to stand and let's make a declaration together. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith believing. It is you, Lord, who gives me the power to get wealth. You plant me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither and whatever I do shall prosper. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I am blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. You will make me the head and not the tail. You will give me houses I did not build, vineyards I did not plant, wells I did not dig. Because I have honored you, with my giving and living, the harvest will return to me exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine. My harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will be blessed in my basket and in my storehouse. The thief will restore to me sevenfold all that he has stolen. Now just for a second, pause there and think about it. what have you lost? What's the enemy stolen from you? God says the thief shall restore sevenfold. In the book of Joel, he says, I will restore the years that the enemy has stolen from you. In other words, God will compress in your remaining years an abundance of all you lost in the former years in a faster period of time. That's really amazing. I'll restore the years. My father saved in his late 70s, now 98, was talking to me once. I'm, we're going to finish praying in just a second. Just stay with me. And I talked about the wasted years. And I said, Dad, God said he'll restore the years you have squandered away, meaning the latter years of your life, he will take what was stolen from you or that you foolishly lost 
and squeeze them into a shorter time frame. And now that sucker's almost 99. God, I would say, is extending his life quite nicely, which gives me great hope for my future, in case you're wondering. So say with me, I will, he will force Satan, you will force Satan, come on, to restore to me sevenfold. And all the years I've lost, my harvest is coming. It shall be abundant and overflowing. It comes from God, the giver of every perfect gift. So I thank you, Lord, for a brand new beginning in Jesus' name. Now you can be seated. Now this is my last one, and it's my favorite one, and it's for everything. So everybody can pray this together, even while you're seated. You don't have to stand with me. Say, Lord Jesus, in faith believing, I make this proclamation. I believe I overcome Satan when I testify personally to what the Word of God says, that the blood of Jesus does for me. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually being cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made innocent, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, set apart, made holy unto God. Through the blood of Jesus, I have boldness to enter the presence of God. Through the blood of Jesus, God is in heaven, interceding on my behalf. Satan has no place in me, no power over me, no claims against me. It was all settled at the cross. Through the blood of Jesus, I am free. Now, King David said after his proclamation, Therefore will I offer the sacrifices of joy in his house, and I will give praise unto God. So how about for 30 seconds, we just do a little shouting of thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We magnify you, O oh our God. We bless your great name. Thank you for healing in our bodies deliverance on our children, healing for our, our own bodies, Lord. Thank you, wealth and riches come from you. Thank you for financial breakthrough. Thank you for the sale of property. Thank you for gainful employment. Thank you, you make a way when there seems to be no way. We bless you and we remind the enemy, you are defeated. We are more than conquerors. We will win this fight and fulfill our purpose and our destiny to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Wow, that was good. You just upset hell and the devil. You just rolled him off your life like a beach ball. Now, you've got to live that way. You can't wait for a sermon. You've got to live that way as though that's normal, and it is. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.